coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today on the show is my longtime co-host, Curtis. We hope all of you out there are still staying safe and sane, at least as much as possible, as things start to open back up ever so slowly and gradually. And uh, we really, as always, appreciate all of you guys listening in today. And if you like what you hear and enjoy the show, we would also greatly appreciate it if you would let us know that with a rating and or a review on Apple Podcast, if you get a chance. Uh, the One Star Trolls, they have been back at it again. And we'd love to get the show back up to its normal five-star rating to kind of help us continue to grow the podcast. So any help there is greatly appreciated. And if not, that's cool too, whatever works for you guys. But today, we are going to have some fun doing that. actually the kind of show that we haven't really ever done before. We ran the greatest Georgia football players of the past 25 years tournament back in March and early April, and a lot of you guys participated with that on Twitter and made your voices heard uh, by voting and by sharing your thoughts on social media, and that was really a lot of fun interacting with you guys and just discussing which player was greater than another player. Champ Bailey ended up winning that whole thing, and that whole process, while it was a lot of fun, was also kind of new for us. We kind of spread our wings a little bit with nothing going on in the world of like actual football and spring practice essentially being canceled. So we tried something a little different and we think it worked out pretty well. It was a lot of fun. And in the process of doing that, we actually had a listener send in a request for us to do a show where we would create our ultimate Georgia football starting lineups. And I thought that sounded like a pretty cool idea. So well, we talked about it and we decided, what the heck, let's do it. Uh, and it really is kind of an extension in a lot of ways of that greatest players tournament. Uh, with a tournament, you know, we were having to compare the relative greatness of guys at different positions, like uh, a David Pollock as a pass rusher versus, so I don't know, a Nick Chubb, I think that was one of the matchups, Pollock versus Chubb as a running back. Uh, and that was just kind of challenging in its own way, but with this, the ultimate starting lineup, we're basically ranking the best players at each position. However, I, I will say, kind of put a disclaimer out there, you're going to notice throughout the show that some very familiar names are going to be nowhere to be found in today's show. Uh, Herschel Walker, Charlie Trippy, Terry Hogue, Jake Scott, Frank Sinkwich, all those guys, as great as they were, they're not going to make it into these starting lineups because like the greatest players tournament, we're going to limit this to the past 25 years. And I know that sounds sort of arbitrary, like really arbitrary, but let me explain. We just want to be as intellectually honest as possible. And 25 years is about as far back as we go. That, those are my like, earliest Georgia football memories. Now, we could certainly just throw names like Herschel Walker and, and Trippy uh, on here based on you know their reputations, their stats. Like We all know how great they are. We know what their status is in Georgia football history. But at the same time, we would be completely going off what other people have said. And, and in, in that case, like we can't in good faith evaluate players we, we never really saw play. Like We know these guys, obviously. like We're not completely ignorant of all these players. They're all great. But again, we have never actually seen them play other than like the, the uh, random clip here and there. It would basically be like r- ranking a list of all-time great bands based only on what we've heard about them, like how many records they've sold without ever having actually heard them play any songs. That's kind of how I would, that's what I would equate it to. So that's why we are limiting our ultimate starting lineups to the past 25 years. Essentially, 1995 is going to be the cutoff. Uh, and I'd actually plan to do something like this after the season, after this season for the all-decade team. And we still totally plan on doing that. Uh, at least if we have a 2020 season, knock on wood. But uh, we figured, you know, when we got this request for the show, why not go ahead and do an early version and expand it out to the last 25 years, which again is about as far back as we go, and then save the all 2010s team episode for after this 2020 season. So that's what we're going to do. And as for these lineups, Curtis and I actually, we did our own starting lineups, totally independent of each other, and we briefly, very briefly compared them before the show. And uh, just from a, a quick cursory look at them, we agree on some positions and we totally disagree 
on some others, which is actually pretty awesome. It's kind of boring if we have the exact same picks, and there are some where we have the same picks, but we also have quite a few differences as well, and to me, that's where the fun is. The fun is in the discussion, and we have plenty of different picks to debate and discuss, and I'm sure a lot of you will disagree with us, which is great. Again, that's what makes this sort of thing fun. It's totally one of those in-the-eye-of-the-beholder type things, and there are a number of ways to go with it, but yeah, that's how it's going to work, so let's go ahead and dig into this. We're going to start on the defensive side of the ball with the interior defensive line. And I know that this is kind of tough when you're talking about how we're going to do defenses because we have, we're talking about different eras. You know, we had the Brian Van Gorder days. We had a 4-3 with Martinez days, 4-3. And then started with Todd Grantham from basically like the, the 2010s on base. We've essentially been in a 3-4. So it's kind of different when we're talking about the defensive line in terms of are you talking about defensive tackles, nose guards? Like what are you exactly talking about? But we're just going to say interior defensive linemen. And uh, since we are currently in a 3-4, we're going to pretend that we're in a, a base 3-4. Uh, so we're going to start – we're going to have three starters on the defensive line and then two backups. Uh, all right, Kurt, so I'm going to let you start us off, my friend. And at first, just tell me who are your three starters for your ultimate starting lineup along the defensive line? Um, I went with Geno Atkins, Richard Seymour, and Charles Johnson. So, all right, so Geno Atkins. All right, yeah, I got Geno. I got Richard Seymour. And who'd you, who else did you say? Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson. Okay. All right. So what about uh, Marcus Stroud? Uh, he, he's my uh, backup. Okay. Who do you have for your backups? Uh, him and John Jenkins. John Jenkins. Okay. So w- w- we have some similarities. Like we definitely both have Geno Atkins. We have Richard Seymour in our starting lineup along the defensive line. I think those are the no-brainers. And then I have Marcus Stroud ahead of Charles Johnson. Maybe that's because I viewed Charles Johnson more as a defensive end. But again, that's talking about he played more of 4-3 with us. Now he might fit in as, as a three tech, a five tech, something like that. So just different errors. It's tough. So I, I'll give you Charles Johnson. Who's a really good, he actually, I think became a better player in the NFL. Than he was in college. But he was still really yeah, good. I think that's college. why I kind of picked him as more so NFL. But once again, like as it's been a problem with Georgia, we don't have a lot of stud D tackles to really go off of, especially from college. Absolutely. I, I and I kind of had that issue with a couple positions. You and I were talking about the guards. We'll get to that in a minute here uh, before the show. And we're like, whoa, we don't really have a ton of like offensive guards to choose from. And then you can say that's the same thing for the interior defensive line. Like the early portion of the Rick era, like we had some studs on the defensive line. You, you have Richard Seymour, who kind of was a carryover from the Donnan era. You have Marcus Stroud, kind of the same thing. Gino Atkins was rather, I mean, relatively early, like maybe mid Mark Rick tenure, but still, certainly not in the latter years. Like we just haven't had a ton of great elite defensive linemen in a long time. You and I have talked about that for, for a while now. We've talked about this for years. I mean, honestly, like the closest I've got to the modern age, I mean, I have John Jenkins as like an honorable mention for me. Garrison Smith, I have him as a backup. And that was, I mean, he's, we're getting a ways away from Garrison, Garrison Smith at this point. Uh, my, my second backup that you didn't mention uh, was a guy named Jonathan Sullivan. I know it was a little bit before your time, but Jonathan Sullivan was a beast in college, at least. And he was also a first round pick. I think he was the number six overall pick in 2003, I want to say. But he never really uh, panned out in the NFL uh, got in trouble, uh, had some legal issues. They kind of derailed him a little bit there, but he was really good, especially uh, in his upperclassman years. I think he, actually, I think he left early. I want to say he was only here for three years. And then I also have Kedrick Golston uh, as an early Mark Rick era type guy who was one of my honorable mentions as well. But I'm with you guys. Richard Seymour, definitely. Geno Atkins, definitely. I'm going to go with Marcus Stroud because he was an absolute beast on the interior. Uh, and then I've got Garrison Smith, Jonathan, Jonathan Sullivan. And who would you have as your backups? John Jenkins and Charles Johnson, or, uh, um, okay. and uh, Stroud. And Stroud, okay. John Jenkins was really good. But my thing about the only reason I didn't go with John Jenkins uh, was because in 2012, like, he was a key part of our defense, kind of angry in the middle there with the Todd Grantham 3 4. But for me, it was like he was a Juco guy and didn't spend a ton of time here. But you're right, when he was here and he played for us, like he was an impact player. There's no doubt about that. Spent some time in the NFL. Actually, he might still be in the NFL. I'm not 100% sure on that, but definitely spent some time in the NFL. I think he got directed by the Saints. So that is our defensive line. Uh, some, some Definitely some similarities, but a few differences as well. Now let's kind of stay on the – well, again, this this goes back to like, okay, we're talking about a 4-3 or you're talking about a 3-4. You're talking about a 4-3, your edge rushers are your true defensive ends. And in a 3-4, you got your outside linebackers. So we're just going to call these edge rushers instead of defensive ends. So uh, I think the first two are obvious. The starters are obvious here, Curtis. Who did you go with as your starters as our edge rushers? Jarvis Jones and David Pollock. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time discussing those two. I mean, those are the like those probably were the two biggest no-brainers of all. Like this position to me was like, especially for the starters, 
absolute no-brainer. Didn't even have to really put much thought into it at all. David Pollock, we all know, I mean, one of only two three-time All-Americans in Georgia history. Jarvis Jones holds the sack record. Didn't start his career here, but certainly ended it very, very well. Ended it with a bang here in Athens. So those two, to me, are the obvious choices as our as our starting edge rushers. Now, the backups gets a – I think you could go a couple different ways with the backups at edge rusher, but who did you go with, Kurt? I went Justin Houston and Leonard Floyd. Okay, well, yeah, we actually had the exact same two there. What about a guy like Jordan Jenkins? Why would you put Floyd and Houston ahead of him? I – I think, well, Houston's way more explosive. I think that's definitely a no-brainer for him. Um, and Leonard Floyd, too, I think it's, it's just explosive nature. Uh, he, he could really change a game. As good as Jordan Jenkins was, he never changed the game. Jordan Jenkins is a really, really good, solid player for us. Like, I mean, he was an absolute fixture on the defense for years, less big-time recruit. And we talked about him when we did the, the Greatest Players Tournament. And he, he was just so good, so sound, so solid all around. He's still enjoying a nice NFL career right now. But you're right, in terms of like an edge rusher, actually rushing the passer, he certainly was not as explosive as either Houston or Floyd. Although I, I think Floyd – his numbers kind of get built up in people's minds. I don't think he ever had more than six and a half sacks here while he was in Athens, but I think it was Floyd's versatility, the ability to go out and play in coverage. I remember it was a year of when we played Auburn one year at home, and we kind of came out, you know, defending the Gus Malzahn offense, and we kind of uh, used him out, the, out there as essentially like the star defender, where he was kind of rushing the passer at times, but using his, athlete, his athleticism out there on the edge, being able to kind of shut down their edge runs, which was a big part of their offense, and also those little uh, – bubble screens all things they like to run out there and we kind of shut them down and that was and obviously Kirby Smart then took that and used Lorenzo Carter in that same kind of capacity later on but Floyd was the first time I really kind of saw us have a guy do something like that and also be able to rush the passer so very very versatile for us allows us to do a lot of different things defensively and then Justin Houston we know what he did in the, what he's done and still doing in the NFL but uh, his junior year in college I mean his final year in Athens I mean he was he was a stud he was an all SEC type guy so for me uh, again, the starters are obvious with Pollock and Jarvis Jones and backups. I, th- I think I'm with you. I'm going to go Justin Houston and Leonard Floyd as well. All right, moving along, let's go to the inside linebackers. Now, this one, okay, for me, I'm gonna, I think you and I are probably going to be in agreement for the starters. For the backups, I had to really think long and hard about this one. I mean, I, was, I went with a couple different guys and switched them around. But uh, I think the starters are relatively obvious, at least one of them. And the second one, I, I think you probably went the same direction as me. But who did you go with, Curtis, your starters? At inside linebacker. Um, I went with Roquan and Alec Ogletree. Yeah, I, I definitely did as well. Did you consider sliding anyone else in there? Or were those two like just the obvious choices for you? To me, they're the obvious choices. Yeah, Roquan to me is a no-brainer. I think his 2017 season was as good of a defensive season as we've seen here in Athens. I, I truly believe that. I mean, we talked about it before. I'll say it again for the, anyone who might be a new listener. I think the 2017 season, if, we, if everyone was being intellectually honest – and uh, the Heisman Trophy was judged on like, who the best player at his position was. I think Roquan Smith would have had a legitimate argument to win the Heisman Trophy in 2017. Unfortunately, that's not how that, that award is, is given out. But I think he was as good of a player at his position doing what he was asked to do as anybody in America for that one year. Now, he was good before that, but he certainly wasn't that level of Roquan. He, he kind of exploded onto the scene in 2017. And Ogletree, uh, he was a really good player for us. But he was never like, he was never, like an All-American or anything like that. A big part of that, though, was – it was just kind of some trouble off the field, a couple suspensions. I think it was his final year here in Athens. He got suspended uh, for a drug offense. I think he missed the first four year, four games of the year because it was a second offense. So he kind of had those issues to a degree. It kind of kept him from, uh, from maybe submitting himself among the all-time greats defensively for us. But I think he had all-time great level ability. It just never quite clicked because it's, it did click at times. But it just wasn't on the field as much. And he also transitioned from being a safety when he initially came here into being a linebacker. But the reason I went with Ogletree as the second starter was just based purely on like the eye test, like what I saw from him. Like when I watched that guy play, I was like, oh, dude, that guy, he's legit. Like that is that is a that is an elite inside linebacker. And you guys know if you listen to the show for a while, I'm a, I'm a sucker for inside linebacker play. So for me, Roquan and Ogletree were, were pretty obvious starters. Now, the backups, though, I don't know, man. Like, I, I really thought long and hard about a couple different guys here. So I'm curious to see who you went with as your backups at inside linebacker, Kurt. I went with Odell Thurman and Rennie Curran. Okay, so I agree with you on Rennie Curran. Odell Thurman, I thought long and hard about. And I'm not even going to argue with you on that because that is a perfectly defensible, reasonable choice. Early on, the Mark Richt era was a really, really good player for us at inside linebacker. Uh, let's talk about Rennie for a second. I, I, at first, like, Rennie was one of the names I thought of, but then I was like, I'm not sure, man. Like, he didn't really do much in the NFL, but then I, I thought back. I said, you know what? I'm not, 
like the NFL, if it's if it's a tie, maybe you go to NFL success. But I'm basing this more on like your productivity here in Athens while you were at Georgia wearing the red and black. And Rennie Curran was as productive, honestly, for his entire career. If you look at it from his career, from the start to the finish, he was as productive as any of these linebackers on this list for three straight years. I mean, he came in as a freshman, started a bunch of games, an impact player right away. Even Roquan, as good as Roquan became, and Roquan's ceiling was higher, he became a better player than Rennie ever became. But early on, Roquan wasn't that. Rennie was really, really damn good really early on in his career. I mean, he ends up becoming All-American. He was actually a Buckus Award finalist. And if you guys aren't familiar with the Buckus Award, that is that is awarded the nation's top linebacker. And he was a finalist for that award. I mean, he was a really, really good player. Kind of undersized, didn't quite make it in the NFL. But uh, to me, that, that I don't really hold that against him because he was a stud while he was here in Athens. And you were the Odell Thurman. Okay, what was it about Odell that had you slide him in there into that backup role? Um, it, I think just in general, it's hard to find a lot of great linebackers because especially before Kirby got here, um, I don't think we consistently had good linebackers, especially when we were running a 3-4 uh, system. There, we went through a period of time where kind of a little bit of a drought where we had good players, but maybe not elite players. I think that's fair. Um, and, I, and We've had some like really, really good solid players in that position that maybe weren't elite while they were here, but they, they played – a, a lot of ball for us, guys like a Marlo Herrera, who I don't think anyone would ever say a Marlo was an elite. Like, like no, you of, had Ramik Wilson and people. Yeah, right. You had, yeah, I mean, Ramik and a Marlo here around the same time. And those, they were both, like, I think Ramik's a guy that actually had more success. I mean, he was good while he was here, but he kind of took it to another level in the NFL. But a Marlo, Ramik, those guys were really good, but they were never like pushing for All American or like All SC, like consistent first team All SEC status. But they, they were still really good and started a lot of years for us. Uh, Tony Taylor's another guy the, um, in the early Mark Rick years that, especially later on in his career, had some really, really good productive years for us. Danelle Ellerby, when we made that that run in 2007, he was on that team. When we were preseason number one, 2008. Actually, if you guys remember that that Sports Illustrated uh, cover story where we had, I think it was Stafford, Noshon, and Danelle Ellerby were on the cover, announcing us as the preseason number one team heading into the 2008 season, coming off that Sugar Bowl, went over Hawaii in 2007. So he was a really good player, had some, had actually quite a bit of success, stayed a number of years in the NFL. So I can't argue, if, if you went with any of those, and Odell, you went with him, I can't argue with that. But I'm going to throw a name at you that was, I think, maybe a little bit before your time. I'm going to go with Boss Bailey. I'm going yeah, with that's I've thought about that one, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm going with Boss here. Uh, Boss was all SEC first team his final year here in Athens and was just a physical freak uh, in terms of his – I mean, his vertical jump must have been about 70 inches. I mean, the guy was just freakish. And, his, and his, like the size, athleticism combo in Boss Bailey was absolutely freakish. Uh, and I know he was a while ago now. And, and I, honestly, he wasn't the first one that came to mind. I thought about him. And I was like, wait, oh, my God. I'm like, I'm like completely missing Boss Bailey here. And once his name kind of clicked, I was like, oh, yeah, I, he's got to be in here somewhere. Um, so, ball, I mean, Boss was a, a huge part of that 2002 SEC championship defense. So, for me, I mean, Odell, I can't argue that he was really, really talented. But Boss, just, just thinking back and watching him play, uh, he was just a, he was a bad dude inside linebacker. I remember him blocking all those kicks, too. That vertical was just, I mean, just ridiculous for a guy that size. So, uh, the the Bailey family, man, is uh, quite the athletes for, for sure. So, uh, I got Rennie Curran and uh, Boss Bailey. You got Rennie Curran and Odell Thurman. And, of course, with our starters, we have Roquan Smith and Alec Ogletree. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Happy price, price line. All right, moving on. Let's move into the secondary here. Uh, the corners. Now, to me, it's kind of a similar story here. The corners, the starters, it's a no-brainer. Backups, I mean, there's a couple of directions I think you could potentially go on here. So we'll get to that in a second. But for the starters, Curtis, tell me you didn't mess this one up, man. You got this, right? I hope so. I went DeAndre Baker and Champ Bailey. Yeah, it's obvious. Like Again, it's kind of like when you're talking about the edge rushers with Pollock and Jarvis. I don't think we need to really defend those picks because I think you'd be insane to really go with anyone other than those two, especially Cham. I mean, maybe you can potentially argue DeAndre because he wasn't a, a star right away, but we all know he developed into um, an elite player, uh, a Thorpe, a Jim Thorpe award winner for the top DB in the country, first round draft pick for the Giants, and Champ Bailey's a Hall of Famer. Like we all know Champ. So yeah, those are the obvious choices. Now the backups, though, 
I think you and I might have one that's similar because I, I think he's a guy that I would go with as, a, as maybe the number three guy. But I'm curious to see who your second backup will be. So who'd you go with as your two backups at corner? Uh, I went with Brandon Boykin and uh, yep. Asher Allen. Asher Allen. Okay, so I have Asher Allen among my honorable mentions. I did not go with him as as one of my backups. But uh, I could see Asher. I mean, Asher is a really good player. I had to think about And honestly, I think we have, a, a, again, a number of choices here. Uh, my other honorable mentions are Paul Oliver. I mean, I, I unfortunately, he had a very tragic ending to his life, and uh, but it kind of spawned uh, this great Paul Oliver network, the PO network that Mark Ritt put together, um, which I think is still around in some capacity. I'm not sure exactly it's called the same thing, but I think it's still, still around in some capacity. But um, So it, it ended tragically for him, just terrible, horrible stuff. But I think we, some of us might forget, like, he was a really, really good player for us. Uh, Damian Swan. I know he had his ups and downs. There's no doubt, but I mean, he was a really good, solid player for us for a number of years. I think he deserves to be at least mentioned um, in this conversation. But for me, I'm going to go with a guy who was undersized, under recruited. Nobody paid attention to him, but he kind of put that chip on his shoulder and just worked his butt off and became a really, really good cornerback by the time he left Georgia and actually had a long, productive career in the NFL. And that is Tim Jennings. Uh, early on in, in the market era, Tim Jennings was never the biggest guy, never the most uh, highly thought of guy coming out of the high school. Actually, he was an afterthought. No one really knew who the guy was. But he comes in here, gets a scholarship offer, comes in and just turns himself into a, an absolute stud as a cornerback and goes and has a productive career in the NFL, spent a, lot, a number of years with the, uh, the Chicago Bears. So I can't argue. I mean, I don't want to – I mean, Asher Allen was a really good player. I mean, if you went with Paul Oliver, I couldn't really argue with Paul Oliver. But I'm going to go with Tim Jennings. I just kind of love that underdog story and then also the productivity he was able to uh, put up here in Athens and also – in the NFL. All right, last position on the defensive side of the ball. Let's go to the safeties. Now, this might be, honestly, we might have the most potential options here at safety. I think there's definitely one obvious starter here, but there are a number of different directions you could have gone here. I mean, we we have had a run of great safeties here. Like Maybe I've had a ton of great defensive linemen, interior linemen. We've had a number of great safeties over the past 20, 25 years. So, uh, Kurt, who are your two starters at safety in your ultimate? Um, I think Greg Blue and Thomas Davis. Okay, I agree with Thomas Davis. Okay, I definitely agree with me. Thomas Davis is the, no, is the no-brainer to me. He was consensus All-American. We know, Obviously, he goes to uh, the NFL, becomes a linebacker, becomes a, an all-pro linebacker. NFL, Walter Payton, Man of the Year Award. Just a, a, an all-time great, honestly. An all-time great Georgia Bulldog, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Greg Blue... I'm here's another again. I'm not gonna. I want to argue with this. I know that that makes for better podcasting, but I can't really argue with Greg Lucas. He would have been like, there were two guys I was trying to decide between uh, when it came to my second starter at safety. Greg Blue was one of those guys. He was a consensus All American in 2005 and just uh, an absolute murderer. Uh, and I, I say that with all due respect and love. Um, he would just, just he would decapitate people, cut them in half. I mean, he like honestly, like he probably wouldn't last a full game. If he played nowadays, like the things that he would do to people, uh, should, honestly, I mean, they probably never should have been allowed, but they definitely are not allowed now. He would not be on the field very often at all, but he was a great player. I mean, again, since it's all American 2005, the guy I went with though, and I, I still don't feel great. About, I mean, this is tough. I just, I'm kind of splitting hairs here. I went with Sean Jones, who was uh, a guy who was all SEC 2003, spent a, a number of years in the NFL. He actually had much more success in the NFL than Greg Blue, which I don't know if that should be the deciding factor. But honestly, when it came down to it, these guys were just tied for me. I think Greg Blue obviously had the more bone-crunching hits, the highlight plays. I mean, you can pull up his hits on uh, on Twitter to see him just – I mean, I'm talking just cut people in half. So I, I think that might put him up there for a lot of people, and I, I'm not going to argue with that. He was a great player. But Sean Jones, to me, was just a better all-around player. Greg Blue was an outstanding headhunter, putting the fear of God into receivers coming over the middle of the field in a way that you don't see anymore, a kind of a throwback safety for sure. I don't know if he was as good in coverage as a guy like Sean Jones. So I went with Jones there because I think he was more of a total package at safety, and he had not, his own highlights as well, maybe not the, the, the bone-crunching hits. I remember uh, – actually, this is going to sound ridiculous. I was um, – I want to say, okay, what year was that? 2003. I was probably a junior. Actually, I might have been a senior in high school. One, I think, actually, I was a senior in high school. And I was at Hooters uh, with my friend, hanging out with, with some buddies on, uh, on a Saturday night, watching us play Tennessee, that 2003 game. And uh, if you, I'm sure a lot of you guys remember this game. So we were up 13 7 with about six or seven seconds to go in the first half. Tennessee's on our one yard line going to the score. They're about, they about to take the lead. 
right before halftime, go up 14-13. Uh, they kind of fumble the, the – the, not the snap, but I guess the, the handoff between the quarterback and the running back. Ball gets on the ground. Sean Jones picks it up, goes 99 yards for the touchdown, and puts us up 20-7 to as opposed to being down 14-13 in that game. And that kind of just uh, led the way to ultimately I – mean, we come out – I think we scored 21 points unanswered the rest of the way and win that game 41-4. I think they actually put up a touchdown later on that game. I think it was like 41-14. Um, but that kind of sealed that deal, and that completely changed the momentum of that game in 2003. So I'll always remember that. Um, but I, I just think he was a better all-around player in terms of coverage and things, other things that safeties have to do than Greg Blue. But I can't argue too much Greg Blue. But I have Greg Blue as my number three guy. Um, who are your backups? Uh, Sean Jones and Sean Williams. Okay, so you had Sean. Oh, yes. Oh, dude. Okay. God, man, I hate you, dude. You know, I you. I think I probably told you guys this, but Sean Williams is one of my all-time favorite Georgia Bulldogs. I know he wasn't seen as one of the uh, the all-time greats and like that, but I'll never forget the the kind of man up talk he had about us being soft heading into the Florida game years ago. Um, and I think that certainly changed the fortunes of that season. I love I love me some Sean Williams. But I went with Bakari Rambo over Sean Williams, which was tough for me to do because I love Sean Williams. I think just productivity-wise and what he was able to accomplish from an individual standpoint, Rambo was an All-American in 2011. Sean Williams is actually – and by the way, guys, I don't think Sean Williams gets enough love for how good he was. The guy is actually – No, he doesn't. I mean, he's been like a under-heralded guy even in the NFL. Like people just don't talk about him. Like I I honestly – I wonder how many listeners out there know that he is actually still actively playing in the NFL right now. I don't think people – I think your average Georgia fan probably doesn't realize that. Honestly, I didn't realize it until a couple of years ago. I was like, wait, Sean Williams is still playing? This is incredible. Uh, so, I mean, he totally underrated all the way around. I just love the attitude, the leadership he brought to the team. So I am definitely not going to argue with you there because I love me some Sean Williams. I just went with Rambo. Uh, the All-American thing kind of put him over the edge for me being as, as an All-American in 2011. But Sean Williams certainly deserves some conversation. My other honorable mentions here would be Rashad Jones. Uh, who came in as a really highly re- recruited guy and was a really good player for us in college. I think he had kind of one of those guys who kind of outpaced his college productivity in the NFL. He's been a much better NFL player. He was good in college, uh, but I mean, he was two times second team, all SEC was never a first team guy. And I just, and I know this is very myopic of me and, and ridiculous, but I, I just don't know if I can ever forgive him for that, that complete whiff against Georgia tech years ago. That kind of, I don't want to say that was what cost us the game, but it certainly didn't help. Late in the game, it was it was a key moment in that game. It was Roddy Jones been on the sideline. It was just ah, can I never get that one out of my mind? Because we should, every anytime we lose Georgia Tech, it just kind of gets seared in my brain because it should just never happen. And then my other honorable mention, I know you can call this recency bias, but J.R. Reed, by the way, guys, was a consensus All American in 2019. I know he wasn't as big and strong and didn't get drafted and all that kind of stuff, but J.R. Reed was a really really good safety for us for a long time so if somebody put jr reed or rashad jones i wouldn't really argue with you too much i think rambo for me uh i know he was all american just like jr reed was but kind of the nfl success there and sean williams as you mentioned i man, love sean williams great pick there on sean williams gotta give you that uh, all right now let's move over to the offensive side of the ball in our ultimate georgia football starting lineup of the past 25 years and i know we only have one starter and one backup when it comes to quarterback to me i it was almost a no-brainer for me as, for the starter. I don't think you agree with me, though. Uh, the backups, I this one was tough. The backups, I like pulled what little hair I have left out of my head trying to figure out who I wanted to put in this backup role because I think you could have gone a number of different directions. So, Kurt, uh, tell me, who did you pick as your starting quarterback in the ultimate starting lineup? Matt Stafford. Okay. I figured you would I, – I was hoping, actually, that you would go with this. I want to have this conversation. I'm not saying I'm right or you're wrong or you're right and I'm wrong. I just want to have the conversation because I think it's an interesting conversation. It's certainly reasonable and defensible to go with Matthew Stafford for a lot of reasons. I'll let you explain why here in just a second. I, however, went with Aaron Murray. So tell me first – I'll tell you why I went with Aaron Murray, but I want you to tell me why you went with Matt Stafford as, a, as the starter. I just believe Matt Stafford was more of a game changer uh, when it came down to it. I mean, yeah, he didn't have the high complete, uh, completion percentage, which is probably one of the things that hurt him the most. Um, but honestly, don't even think we ran the system that fit him best. Like Aaron Murray, there were a lot of times where we would put him in a shotgun and just let him do his thing out there. Um, but I, I just believe that Stafford's the better quarterback between them. The Murray may have the better college stats, but I think if we had put Stafford in a system like we did with Murray and he had stuck around that long um, and he didn't start till he was – you know, a red shirt freshman, things like that, it would have been a lot different story. That's a great argument. I mean, I, I, it's hard to punch too many holes. In that. I think it's, I think you're right. It's clear to me. I think it should be clear to everyone. I don't think it's even arguable that Matthew Stafford 
was the more physically gifted, talented quarterback between him and Aaron Murray. Really, between any quarterback that we've probably ever had, to be honest. Like, in ter- I mean, the guy was number one overall draft pick in the NFL. Uh, physically, like his ceiling, his physical gifts and tools, I mean, it's just unmatched, really, in Georgia history. I, however, went with Aaron Murray, and it's just a difference of probably how we determine, like, who should be the ultimate starter. I went more based on, like, what did you do while you were in Athens? Clearly, Aaron Murray is not the quarterback um, from a physical standpoint and can't do some of the things that that Matthew Stafford obviously can. But Aaron Murray, from a, a statistical standpoint, is the most prolific quarterback in UGA history, and it's really just not even close. I mean, he's uh, first in career passing yards, first in UGA's uh, career or single season passing yards, first in Georgia career touchdowns, and first in single season touchdowns. And oh, by the way, he's still the SEC career leader in passing yards. Um, I, from what I was able to dunk, I want to make sure to go back over the past couple of years that no one has surpassed him. I thought Drew Locke might have had a chance there, but from what I was able to find, he's still the career leader in SEC pass, SEC career leader in passing yards. Uh, so, I mean, Aaron Murray, from a prolific standpoint, was as I mean, he was as good as it got. Uh, and it, he, our best offenses in Georgia history were led by Aaron Murray. So that's why I went with him instead of Stafford. Uh, but I, I totally get where you're coming from with Stafford, and that's a totally reasonable choice there. I think we just looked at it a little bit differently in how we went about making that selection. Uh, now the backups, kind of the same thing here. <laughs> to me, like Stafford is the most talented quarterback we've ever had. But statistically, I mean, he never, he every year he was here, he was in double-digit interceptions. Now he's become a much better quarterback as he's gotten into the NFL. Uh, was all, only over 60% completion percentage one time in his career. So to me, that's why I didn't have him as the starter. And I actually didn't even have him as the backup. And I'll explain why in a second. Who did you have as your backup? Uh, I went with David Green. Okay. You and I are in agreement there. We both have David Green. I have Green as the as the number one backup here. Well, tell me, why did you go with Green over Murray? I thought Green was just I think he was a I think he's a very underrated quarterback, to be honest. Yeah. Um he had to split time with um DJ Shockley and things like that, which I think affected his stats. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, it was a different era. I think you have to factor that in, too. I mean, we hadn't yeah, seen yeah, people like Musa Smith, who were just the big running backs. You know, we didn't rely on him that much. Well, pro style was we the normal. A lot of the two back, the you know, the two back formation, yeah. eye formation, yeah. things like that. Yeah, totally. That's, it's a great argument. I mean, it's, it's the whole thing about where you have to compare eras, and that's very difficult because who's to say David Green could have done what Aaron Murray did if he played what Aaron Murray did? with the kind of offensive explosion, the spread offense, all that kind of stuff, when that came into effect, I mean, obviously numbers and quarterback completion percentages, passing yards, touchdowns, they, they went through the roof. That was that was after David Green's time here in Athens. And, and I, I don't know – it's tough to say whether he would have done some of the things that Murray did. He wasn't quite as athletic as Murray, although Murray wasn't like the greatest athlete, but I think he was a good, solid athlete, an underrated athlete. Um, I don't know. That's a, it's really interesting because you're right. David Green's another guy who actually only completed over 60% of his passes one time in his career, only threw for over 3,000 yards one time in his career in 2003. Uh, but like, it's just tough to beat what he was able to do from like a, a winning standpoint. The guy was an absolute winner. And that's a knock against Murray. Murray, forever the knock on Murray was he couldn't win the big one, which I thought was crazy because uh, he was. I, th- I felt he was being held accountable for things that were completely out of his control, like, oh, I don't know, Todd Grantham's defense. When the one time he actually had a decent defense in 2012, we were a play away from uh, getting to the national championship and potentially winning that national championship over Notre Dame. Um, so I always felt that was kind of held against him unfairly. But the fact is, David Green was a winner, man. And uh, David Green was absolute clutch i'm talking like ice in the veins uh i mean think about some of the more iconic moments in georgia history of the past 20 25 years you got the hobnail boot yeah that's david green you got the pass to to michael to michael johnson in the back of the end zone against auburn to clinch the sec or the sec east yeah that's david green um the the game against lsu uh in 2004 at home uh, where we just lsu i believe it's going off the national championship that year and we we just blitzed him he threw four touchdown passes fade after fade after fade to reggie brown to uh fred gibson i actually remember my now wife then girlfriend actually surprised me uh with like fourth row fifth row seats in that game and we were so we had an up close personal view uh, of that going down so i mean david green uh is an all-timer there's no doubt now was he as physically get this on these guys no or his numbers is great no um so for me, I, I see the argument to have him ahead of Murray. I just, I think it's just so hard to pass what Murray was able to do from a production standpoint. I mean, he just put up such ridiculous numbers. Um, it was just such a, a re, such a great quarterback for us. I think an underrated quarterback for us. Um, and then, and by the way, talking about Green being a winner, 
he was the he he is not anymore. But I know for a fact when he left uh, Athens, he was the winningest quarterback in college ball history. I believe he was the SEC leader in pass yards when he left. Also, and then they obviously got passed up. But he's still, I think, in the top five in the SEC right now. But um, yeah, Dave Green for me as well as the backup. Uh, who are some honorable mentions you might throw in there? Because there are some guys I really consider strongly. Um, people like DJ Shockley and stuff like that. And I mean, it, it, I know this sounds bad, but I didn't even consider anyone like Jake Fromm. You know, Fromm was a honestly like um, I love anything. He's a low honorable mention. Yeah, he he come in on the end of the honorable mentions. I, I would put a guy like Eric. I, mean, I would I mean, even put Quincy Carter ahead of him. Ooh, Quincy Carter ahead of Jake. I don't know if I put Quincy ahead of him. I maybe. think Jake, Quincy could be a game changer with his legs. Imagine like that's I was thinking about this too. Imagine Quincy Carter and DJ Shockley running offenses today. How productive. And that's would those my guys thing. Be? I'm going yeah. I'm building an offense that fits today's game, and that I would go with them ahead of him. Because initially, like I my initial thought was okay, Aaron Murray, no brainer for me. And my initial thought was DJ Shockley as the backup. And I kind of talked myself into David Green for all the reasons I, I laid out there. But I thought back to, to, to Shockley's 2005 season. I mean, this guy and – and I also felt like a part of it was me being kind of sentimental about DJ and how he waited his turn. And I, lo- I will always love that guy for that. Uh, but I, I thought back to 2005, like if he doesn't get injured that year, like I thought we had a legit shot to potentially play for national championship. He doesn't get injured that year and we lose to Florida with JT3 at quarterback. Um, but – he did get injured, but they, and I, but I pulled up his numbers and I was like, wait, his numbers weren't like crazy good. I mean, he was like, like 55 ish percent completion percentage that year. Um, they were good, but not like off the charts. Great. But then I thought about, it, I was like, wait a minute, Tyler, like, let, let, let's think about this for a minute. Just like what I, I said with David Green, this is before the offensive spread explosion, that evolution in offense. I, and I thought, well, what if, what if DJ Shock was our quarterback in 2019? Like, oh my God, like what would our offense have been like? How, how, how insane are the numbers would he have put up if he played in those kind of offenses? So I think you have to think about that as well. Eric Zire is another guy in the early 90s. I think he has to be mentioned. Again, like he didn't have a, as much talent around him maybe. Um, it, it didn't have the total team. But you plug Eric Zire in any of the years in the Mark era, I think you've got um, an elite SEC quarter. I think you've got a first-team all-SEC type guy. I think we've got a guy that could potentially lead a team to an SEC title. I think he was that good. So I think he deserves to be in the conversation, but maybe just didn't win enough, which I think, I don't know if that, how fair it is to hold that against him because he did what he was asked to do. He was a really, really, really good player for us. And then, you know, Fraud, I think certainly at the, at the tail end of that conversation somewhere. Um, but yeah, I think it kind of, th- th- those names are the ones I would consider. But for me, Murray, Green. But uh, Stafford, I see where you're coming from there. I can't argue too hard against that. Uh, all right, moving on here, tailback. Now, we are obviously tailback you, so we have a number of guys to choose from here. We're going to go with one starter and one backup, though. So a lot of really deserving guys who are going to be left out of the uh, the ultimate starting lineup here at the tailback position. So, Kurt, start us off here, man. Who is your starter at tailback? Uh, TG3. TG3. To me, uh, it's another one. I know I keep saying this, but like a lot of these starters to me are no-brainers. I have much more of a tough time with the backups. Uh, Todd, to me, and I look, I know how good Nick Chubb was. I know how good Sonny Michelle was. I know how good Noshan was. I've told you guys many, many times, especially over the past month or so into the uh, the greatest players tournament, Todd Gurley is, to me, the greatest player I've seen with my own two eyes play at Georgia. He's right. I think you have A.J. Green and Todd Gurley in that conversation in terms of like just the, the pure God-given ability. Uh, Pollock was amazing, but I mean, Pollock was, a, he had to work for it. I mean, these guys almost like effortless for these guys. I mean, it's just like, just God-given ability. Uh, Pollock was more of a grinder now. Standing player, I loved him. Loved him watching the guy play, but Gurley is just like, I mean, he's an all-timer for me uh, at the tailback position. I mean, he, to me, behind Herschel Walker, it's, it's Herschel Walker, Todd Gurley, and then Nick Chubb for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Todd Gurley, all the way there. Unfortunately, his career, I don't want to say got derailed, but it certainly never quite uh, was able to achieve the heights I think it could have if it wasn't for injuries, if it wasn't for suspensions. We talked about it, Kurt, that 2014 year, I think he was on pace to win the Heisman Trophy. A very realistic possibility, but that kind of got derailed with uh, suspension and injuries, unfortunately. Uh, But for you, now this next one's a little more interesting. So, Gurley, we got us our starter. Who's your backup? Uh, I went with Nick Chubb. I think a healthy Nick Chubb is probably one of the best running backs that we've had in a long time behind Todd. Yeah. I honestly don't think it was like, how big is the gap between Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb to you? Um, I think it's a little bit, it's, it's there because Chubb is just not good out of the backfield as a receiver. Yeah. That was the, that's the big difference. In the okay. Two. Fair, that, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I, I think as runners though, I, I don't, I mean, they're a different style of runner. I don't know if there's a massive gap between them as runners. Oh, between the two as runners. No, there's not that big of a gap. Yeah, I, I I don't, and uh, 
and I love both these guys personally. I have, I have a, maybe a little bit more of a softer spot for Nick just because of just the 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 legend of Nick Chubb, man. I mean, the guy is an absolute beast. I mean, we all love Nick. Uh, but, yeah, I just – again, like it, we're splitting hairs here, but I just think Todd was just ever so slightly – better than Nick and Nick I mean before he gets the the catastrophic knee injury in 2015 like I know it's really early in the year but before that Tennessee game like, heck I man that guy was on pace for maybe a Heisman like to at least get an invite to New York I mean he was killing it that year he was averaging like over eight yards a carry I mean he was a monster and then he had and unfortunately gets the knee injury we all know in 2016 he certainly was not the same Nick Chubb in 2016 although he worked his butt off to get back which is that's just that's Nick Chubb. That's what the guy does. He just works and grinds. And then 2017, we I think he was closer to what he was in 2015 and 14. I still don't think he was all the way back. I, I really don't. Do you, Kurt, in 2017? Uh, no. I don't think he was all the way back. I think he was much closer to being all the way back. He was There was a clear separation between what he was in 17 and 16. I don't think the 2017 version of Nick Chubb was the same as 15, though. I just don't. I think now that you're watching the NFL, Nick Chubb is back. Like that that's the Nick Chubb we saw like in 2014, 2015. That dude is back. Exactly. Uh, maybe better than ever. I mean, he, he's just a beast. So um the splitting hairs for me. If someone wants to go with Nick over Todd, that's I totally I will not argue with that. It's just maybe a personal preference thing in terms of just what I see with my eye test. But uh those two are the clear top two for me. And of course we have you got the Sony Michelles and the No Sean Marinos and those kind of guys, but I think there's a gap. You can uh, have Terrence Davis. Uh, or uh, Terrell Davis was my number three guy. Yeah, and yeah, and T like Terrell Davis is a really good, obviously NFL Hall of Famer. But again, in Athens, like he was, he didn't like he didn't do all that much. He was solid ish, you know, but wasn't a, a great player in Athens. But certainly, what he did in the NFL was was incredible. Uh, got himself in the Hall of Fame. So uh, to me, it's Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb, and then everyone else after that. Or is Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, and then you have the group like Terrell Davis, Noshawn, Sony. And then you have another group, like maybe Thomas Brown, Musa Smith, like those kind of guys, um, and uh, maybe Robert Edwards in that group, and then just everyone else after that. Well, I, I'll tell you that Swift's got to be in there somewhere. Right? I, I would put Swift in the, in the group with No Sean and and Sony. I'll put him in that in that second that second tier there. Uh, but all right, let's move on to the wide receivers. Now, again, you got to compare eras here. It's tough. It's difficult. I know offensive explosions and, and whatnot and playing in pro style offense. It kind of messes with your numbers a little bit here. So I approach the the wide receiver position more of like an eye test perspective for me, more so than um, just your individual accomplishments. Although for at least one of these guys, I went with individual accomplishments because it was just outstanding. Um, and we're going to go with three wide receivers. I know in a pro style offense, you got your two stars, but nowadays in the, in the age of the spread, look, we're seeing a lot of 11 personnel where you've got three, I mean, that's kind of become the norm, really, across college football, where you've got three wide receivers. So we're going to go with three receivers uh, as our starters and also three backups here. So, uh, Kurt, who are your three starters at wide receiver? Um, I was AJ, um, George Pickens, and Heinz Ward. Okay, we got to talk, man. We got to talk about George. Why is George Pickens on your list? Convince me. I mean, let's be honest, he's put up a better season than most of our receivers in the last 10 years, <laughs> and that was in a freshman year. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 as true. sad as the statement as it is. It's true. Let me pull up our. Yeah, okay, so I'm looking at the receiving yard single season receiving yard records here in Athens. So, uh, so if we pull up our man George Pickens last year, pull up. I'm pull up his exact numbers. Make sure I think it was just a little over 700 yards. If I remember that correctly. So last year, George had, it was 727 yards, eight touchdowns, 49 catches. Those are big numbers, man. For a, I mean, 727 yards as a freshman. All right, guys. Win so- a lot of those times. That, and I'm trying to compare it to what we've had other than that. I mean, realistically, you haven't had a lot of go-to guys that could even do it as close to a yeah. freshman year other than AJ and him. Yeah, 727 yards. That's not that far off the the top 10 in terms of single-season receiving yards. Reggie Brown is number 10 uh, for his 2004 uh, year. We had 860 yards receiving. So he's not like – I mean, he's not that far off of that as a true freshman. And I think if you look at George Pickens, I think it's fair to say that he is the most talented receiver we've had past 10 to 15 years other than A.J. Green, right? That's fair. I think that, that has to be part of your argument there. So I, I'm not going to hate on you. I'm not going to kill you for that pick. But I think I might go in a little bit of a different direction. You went AJ, George Pickens, and who was your third? Heinz Ward. 
Ryan's Warrior. Okay, so we have two of the, two of the same. Two of the three that are the same. We have, I, we have AJ, no-brainer. AJ is the best receiver ever played at Georgia. Um, absolute monster from day one. Heinz Ward, we all know how great Heinz Ward was. I think he's deserving the NFL Hall of Fame, was a Mr. Do-Everything here in Athens, jack-of-all-trades. I'm going to differ with you a little bit here. Now, this guy is not as t- – and here I'm kind of contradicting myself. I was said I was going to the eye test. I did go to the eye test in the first two. But this is the one I kind of teased also where it wasn't as much about the eye test, although he was really, really good, as it was about just the numbers he put up. And that's Terrence Edwards. I went with Terrence Edwards over George Pickens. I, I get your argument for George. Here's what I also – I would also say with George, he did, he did it one year. Now, it's an outstanding freshman year. I want to see another year or two from George. I, I We know he's going to do it as long as he stays healthy and out of trouble because we saw him do it as a freshman. But what Terrence Edwards was able to do – for a career, I mean, statistically, he's the best receiver in Georgia history. And obviously, it was for here all for, for he was here for all four years where AJ was not. AJ got suspended for four games his junior year as well. But Terrence Edwards is number one in career receiving yards in Georgia history, uh, single season receiving yards in Georgia history, uh, receiving touchdowns in Georgia history, single season receiving touchdowns in Georgia history. I mean, that's it's Terrence Edwards. He basically is topping the record books in receiving yards and receiving categories all over the Georgia record books. I mean, the guy was an absolute monster force. Now, I did have a huge drop against Florida in 2002, which still hurts my heart. But I'm not going to hold that against him too much because, I mean, he was just a monster for us. So, a uh, big-time player. And I know that was over four years, but still really, really good player. And that was before we had this kind of offensive spread explosion, too, putting up those kind of numbers. Still the only receiver in Georgia's history to ever go for over 1,000 yards in a single season. A.J. would have broken that more than likely in 2000, uh, in his final year. It was in 2010 uh, without the suspension. But, obviously – the whole Jersey thing happened. So uh, that's why I went with Edwards, but Pickens, that's a solid choice. All right. So who are your three? Uh, Terrence Edwards has to be a backup for you, right? Oh yeah. Terrence Edwards, a backup. Then I went Reggie Brown and Muhammad Massaqua. Okay. Okay. So I have Massaqua as well. Uh, I think Mo Mass, um, never maybe an, uh, an elite player for us, which is a really, really good high level receiver for us. A lot of really good things. If you look at the records, I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely in the top 10 about every category, whether it's requ- career receiving yards, single season receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, all those things. He's there. He's in that top 10. So definitely a, a deserving name there if you're going with three backups. Uh, I also went with Bryce Hunter as well. And I, I went Bryce Hunter kind of for the same reason. I went with Terrence Edwards. Maybe I get, I'm not the guy that kind of uh, blows you off, uh, you know, kind of just like blows you away when you watch the guy play. But he, the productivity speaks for itself. So I'm second in single season uh, receiving yards, second in career receptions, first and second in single season receptions. His first team All-SEC um uh in his career but i i get like he was a while ago now honestly like a lot of his production was before 95 is kind of cut off and he he had some big years 93 94 but uh, I'm, I'm gonna kind of throw bryce hunter in there as well and i really strongly consider george pickens i really did but again i was i was kind of swayed by the fact that his career is not complete yet so maybe we did this again in a couple of years uh he would almost certainly be on this list but just because we've, we've only had one year of george I didn't include him on my list of backups either. I actually went with Tavares King. I went with TK. And I didn't honestly didn't think I was going to go with TK. Like initially it wasn't one of the guys I thought of, but I, I kind of thought about it a little bit more, looked at some of the numbers. I was like, what dude, TK like had an incredibly solid career for us. I mean, he's ninth in uh, career receptions in Georgia history, fourth in receiving yards, fourth in uh, career receiving yards, fourth in single season receiving yards. Actually has the most uh, receiving yards in a single game. He had two, uh, 205 yards uh, in a bowl game against Michigan State. I want to say it was a Capital One Bowl against Michigan State in 2011, I want to say. Uh, so TK, uh, it, it, he was always kind of in the shadow of AJ, but TK was a really, really good player in his own right. It was one of the reasons AJ was able to be as successful. I mean, AJ was so good. But when you have TK beside you there and you have some of the pressure taken off you, that kind of helps you as well. And I will also say, you said the flip is true as well. The, revert, the inverse is also true that maybe TK benefited from the fact that he played with AJ Green. And therefore saw a lot more single coverage. But I mean, Tavares King was a really good player for us. Kind of stuck around the NFL for a couple of years. Kind of worked his tail off there. So uh, he kind of made that list for me as well. So I got TK, Bryce Hunter, and Muhammad Massaqua. But uh, George Pickens would probably have been my next guy, even though he's only had one year. One year here in Athens. Um, all right. Well, we're almost done with the skill position. So let's go to the tight ends real quick here. Kirk got one starter, one backup. Uh, who is your starter at tight end? I uh, went with Ben Watson. Yeah, I did too. I, 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 all right. So who did you, let me ask you this before I give you why I went with Ben Watson. Who'd you go with your backup? Um, Leonard Pope. Okay. All right. All right. Interesting. Leonard Pope. I initially, I, he was, he'd been number three for me. I, I, I thought about him long and hard. I went with Orson Charles. 
uh, just because Orson uh, was a finalist for the Mackey Award late in his career. Was, he's got the most receiving yards for a tight end in Georgia history. So I went with Orson over Leonard Pope. But Leonard Pope was uh, – was, dude, I love Leonard Pope, man. He's big old, huge dude. Um, I went with Ben Watson as a starter also. I was kind of conflicted here. Actually, first, initially I had Orson Charles, again, based off of what he did here in Athens. He was more productive than Watson was in Athens. But we also, again, you're comparing eras. It's a different time, different systems, different offensive evolutions that they're working with. And Ben Watson has just been a beast in the NFL. So that kind of factored in for me as well. But Ben Watson, for a career in Athens, he actually started his career at Duke, had under 900 yards receiving total here in Athens. But, like, we know, come on, Ben Watson is the best tight end to play at Georgia. Um, And at least I'd say, I mean, obviously the past 25 years, in my opinion, I think you agree with me there. Why did you go with Leonard over Orson Charles? I think Leonard Pope was a true tight end. In terms of his ability to uh, be a, a – Yeah, while improv- Orson could get receiving yards, the guy couldn't – he was a liability and everything else. Yeah, yeah, he was not the strongest blog. I think you're right. Leonard Pope was more of that true tight end, the kind of throwback tight end that could be a, a matchup problem. He can also he can block in line, can also go out there and make plays down the field as well. And just the size. I mean, the guy was a freaking monster. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you too much there. I, I gave Orson the edge just because the fact they put up more numbers than the other two. But I mean, if you go with eye test, I could see an argument. I could certainly see an argument for Leonard Pope over Orson Charles if you go by eye test. I think that, that's a very fair assessment. Um, but all right, so let's move on to the offensive line here. Uh, we mentioned the guards. We'll get to the guards here in a second. We had a tough time finding backups for the guard position. But let's start with the tackles on the, on the offensive line. Kurt, who are your two starting tackles in the Georgia ultimate starting lineup? Um, I went with Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wynn. Okay. I also went with Andrew Thomas. Uh, and you can call that recency bias, but Andrew Thomas was a consensus All-American guy. Goes to the first round. Top five NFL draft pick, Andrew Thomas. There you go. Isaiah Wynn. All right, so I consider Isaiah Wynn. He would have been number three for me. I stuck Matt Stinchcomb ahead of Isaiah Wynn. And I know that's going back a, a ways here. But Matt Stinchcomb was a two-time All-American at, at, at left tackle. So that guy, and I know his NFL career didn't pan out like he wanted to, because and that was, but that was because of injuries, really more than anything. But in terms of what he did here in Athens, I and mean, that guy was as good as we've had, like really. I mean, him and Andrew Thomas, both two-time All-Americans. So I, I, those are the two for me. I have Isaiah Wynn as my one of my backups. Who did you have as your two backups? Uh, both Stinchcombs. Okay, yeah, I, I had John Stinchcomb as a backup, and I had Isaiah Wynn as a backup. So really, all we did is we just flipped Isaiah Wynn and Matt Stinchcomb, and we're kind of again splitting hairs there. I had Wynn as the, as the third guy, Stinchcomb as the number two. Um, there are a couple other guys I thought deserve some mention here. John Theus is a guy who was never like maybe he was a five star recruit coming out of high school. I never quite lived up to that, but was essentially I mean a three or four year starter for us, and uh, maybe was never an elite player, but a really good solid player for a number of years for us. Um, had a cup of tea in the NFL. And here's a name uh, from back in the day, and my wife loves this guy uh, because the dance he did against Florida <laughs> when we had the whole end zone, when we, everybody rushed to the end zone, right? You remember that, Kurt? And he does a little yeah. dance. Um, Trent Sturdivant, remember that name? I had him on there. I actually took him off at the end for the other cinch show just because his, his career was derailed yep. um, by the yep. injuries. Yeah, I think Sturdivant was on his way, especially as a true freshman, to being that kind of guy. I to be in a top 10 NFL draft pick potentially uh, definitely a first rounder and then unfortunately god just really unfortunate man as it happens sometimes uh injuries got in the way kind of derailed his career but uh and he was never quite the same after those injuries but he was on his way man like he had all the ability what that he needed to be a an elite left tackle I mean, I'm talking about as good of an Andrew Tom as good of an Andrew Thomas type player I mean he could have been that kind of guy but uh unfortunately he um and this never quite worked out for him. But I will never, nor my wife, ever forget him for uh, dancing his way off the field when we rushed the, the field off that, that first touchdown. That was awesome. But um, all right, let's move on to the guards here. Now, to me, uh, the, I didn't have too much of an issue with the starters, the backup here. Uh, it was Slim Pickens in my mind. And you and I, you and I kind of agree on that, Kurt. But uh, let's start with the starters. Who would you go with as the starters at guard? Uh, Clint Bowling and Max uh, Gene Jealous. Yeah, I went both those guys, went Max and Clint. And Clint, like, now look, I, I know some of your guys are probably saying, well, Clint wasn't a guard. Okay, like, Clint played all over the offensive line in college. He played guard, he played both tackles, but he played mainly guard in the NFL. So I know he played a couple different positions on the offensive line. And so did Isaiah Wynn, by the way, guys. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I will allow it, Curtis. I will allow Clint Bowling 
to be. Well, we're we just that desperate for players too. Yeah, we just need guys. Yeah, absolutely, we need guys at guard because we we had a lot of we've actually had a number of really good tackles. We haven't had the interior guys, at least the guards. We have some good. We have some good centers. So I'm gonna go with Max and Clint as well. Um, and initially we had two backups, and I we kind of just talked about it, and we decided uh, let's just call it one backup because. I mean, we could throw some names out there. We could throw Chris Burnett's out there, Chris Davis. We can throw names out there, but I don't know if they deserve – if they were that good. I know we kind of just talked about some guys that were solid but not great. Um, so who did you go with as your backup at guard, Kurt? Solomon Kinley. Yeah, you and I have the both – we both have the same guy. And I know a lot of you probably shaking your head and saying, oh, that's recency bias. Maybe, but, I mean, you guys tell I mean, me – We haven't had any guards drafted. That's literally the only reason he really made the list for me. I mean, if yes. you go back almost the last – years of draft picks it's hard to find any other than tackles yeah we've had a lot of tackles drafted and some centers we haven't had a lot of guards drafted we just haven't uh, and kinley i mean say what you want about him was a third round draft pick i think kinley was a really good player for us i know he lost his job to ben in 2017 but came back to his credit worked his butt off and took the right attitude and, and won a job back and was really good for us. i mean he's really good in pass protection um and was was a mover was a road grader in the run game sometimes his technique wasn't always great kind of got out over his skis at times but look kinley is a talented player and you're right curtis if you go i mean i, I challenge you guys if you disagree with this go find a guard that got drafted higher than, than solomon kinley in the past 20 years you're not going to find many of them so uh yeah uh got solomon kinley here as my backup at guard as well uh, all right and that brings us to the center position uh, there were two names that were the obvious ones to me that kind of came to mind first. And there are a couple other guys that you could you can make an argument for. You know, Russ Tanner back in the day. But who'd you have as your starter at center, Kurt? Uh, David Andrews. Okay, who'd you have as your backup? Ben Jones. All right, we just flipped my head. Ben Jones as my starter and David Andrews as my backup. And I love both. This was a tough one for me in terms of like who should I have one and two because I'm not going to argue with you at all. Because like, like, Kurt, what is the difference between these two guys? Are they, are they, are they, um, are they the not person? much. The only reason I went with Andrews is I still remember that Florida game and how bad our offensive line looked once we lost yeah. him. And you realized I, that yeah. was, up until then I really undervalued him. Yeah, I think I think both these guys were undervalued during their career. I think I think you just tend to undervalue centers because they're not really no one really very few teams draft centers that high i know i think the guy from michigan went in the first round this year but it, it's not as common as as tackles obviously and even guards as well um and there's there's kind of underrated there so i think they kind of went overlooked compared to some of these other guys but i think ben jones and david andrews were outstanding players for us there's no doubt in my mind and i love both and they were very similar um neither guy was a big time recruit coming out of high school kind of had to grind and work himself in the position there uh they both loved georgia they were both fighters out there kind of nasty kind of had some nastiness in their game which i love from your offensive lineman um and honestly this sounds ridiculous the the gap there's almost no gap for me they're both playing the nfl right now both stars in the nfl been doing that for a while i know andrews missed pretty much all of that he didn't miss all of last year i think but he's split with blood clots but he's he's coming back this year from what i understand uh, if there's a season, God willing, knock on wood. Um, but really, so to separate between the two, and like Andrews has his moment. I, I never forget him coming off the sideline against Auburn. Uh, what year is that? I don't know. His senior year, I believe. It was a senior year. What year was that? Is that 14? 15. 15? Was it 15 as a senior? Okay, 15. Um, no, it was. No, it was 14, right? Yeah. Or was it 16? I don't know. It was one of those years. I, I'm not always great with the years. But he comes, you know, pumping his fist as he run, like running, spring full speed off the sideline, pumping his fist. That was awesome to see. I love that. But um, so, but Ben Jones, man, I, I as much as I love Dave Andrews, I'll never, never forget that moment. Ben Jones with the chunk of dirt grass from historic Grant Field at Georgia Tech after that win. After the, you know, it was, I think it was 2009. It was 2008. They beat us at home and they did the whole hedges thing and put them in their mouth and that kind of stuff. And what does he do? He goes and rips an entire chunk of sod out of that field and just and is eating it. The man is eating it. So um, just a little unstable there. You like a little bit of that in your offensive lineman. So when it's so close between those two, I know that sounds ridiculous and that should not be the reason I put him number one. But when it's so close, why not? I, I use that as my uh, differentiator between the two. So Ben Jones, starter for me. David Andrews, backup for me. Flip for you, but we're splitting hairs. Um, all right, so that is the offense. Now, we're not quite done. We're going to do special teams real quick here. Uh, kickers. So... So I don't know. I, I I know a lot of people will probably say Rodrigo is the obvious one here, but I think there's a couple other guys that you could at least push him for the starting spot. Oh, Rodrigo is the most recent guy, uh, All American when was the uh, Lou Groza Award winner for best kicker in the country. All that great, and he's he's incredible. Did you go with Rodrigo Kerr? 
or no i went with brandon katu oh brandon katu okay why katu over rodrigo um they have very similar stories but i thought katu was more dependable he made a lot of big kicks when he was here um as as much as hot rod was uh you know a big deal for us and you know uh highlight machine and you know he loved all his interviews personality yeah he I, i still just katu made big kicks and i think that's a big difference between the two Katu did make big kicks. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, he did. Rodrigo made some big kicks, too. He missed some kicks. He did. He missed some big ones. Uh, the one against South Carolina um, in overtime. That was a that was a big one, right? Uh, Same one he missed against Bama this, or in the, against LSU. 18. Yeah, the one against LSU. I mean, yeah, and then Bama 18. Yeah, I mean, th- there were some kicks he missed. But, I mean, he did make some big kicks for us, too. He, he definitely did to put us in position. I mean, against Florida, you know, this year, made some, I know mean, they weren't like – Super clutch moments. We don't win that game without some of those field goals. You know, you look the, obviously the Rose Bowl right before halftime, and that is as big of a kick as we've had in Georgia history. Honestly, that's as big of a kick as we've had in Georgia history. And uh, he nailed that one. Uh, the game where I know it was 2016 was kind of a lost season, but the game winner uh, in Lexington against Kentucky, where kind of the, the legend of Rodrigo Blinkenship was born. So, yeah, but Katu had some big kicks as well. There's no doubt. If you guys don't remember him, if you're, uh, if you're maybe – a youngster out there that was early Mark Rick tenure of 2004 through I think I want to say I think four through seven 2004 through, through 2007 went to Collinsville High School uh yeah really, and had a heck of a strong leg I however I mean, I'm not gonna argue that much with you I went with, with Rodrigo and Rodrigo and Katu by the way Kurt if you're looking at the numbers they are number one and two in Georgia history in career field goal percentage Rodrigo is at 82 and a half percent for a career Katu is at 80.3 so very very close there uh, it's kind of a personal preference, honestly, and uh, and I can see why you might be skewed by some of the kicks that Rodrigo missed, but he did make a bunch of really big kicks for us, man. I love Rodrigo. Um, and by the way, Billy Bennett, man. That's now, who my, I was my honorable mention. Yeah, and, and Billy Bennett, like, come on, like, dude, that's early. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of overlapping between um, Jim Donnan and Mark Rick there, but Billy Bennett was like the quintessential Athens dude uh and you guys remember him you know playing his guitar on the street I mean he's just Athens personified uh for a career though he was only 79.1 percent which is good as number three in our in our history actually better than Kevin Butler to be honest with you in terms of uh field goal percentage but he had the best single season kicking in Georgia history 92.9 percent in 2000 um and then see Rodrigo actually only had the seventh and eighth best Brandon Katu had was over 90 percent like basically 91 percent in 2006, so that's the kind of bows your argument there. Blair Walsh is the other guy that deserves some mention here. Now he had his ups and downs. Walsh, and we know. I mean, yeah, I think the, that his his senior year is what really hurts him in the eyes yeah. of a lot of Georgia fans. That killed him because I, mean, I mean he was 909 percent in 2009, uh, but he he was up and down. This is kind of that he and it's not I, it's not really fair. I hate to do it, but kind of a head case at times. And we saw that in the NFL too. Uh, I hate to say that. I really don't. I don't have any pleasure in that. But um, yeah, I mean those names. You know, you got to consider those names as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with with Katu, but I'm going to go with Rodrigo. And I've got, uh, I ha- actually had Katu coming in as my backup. Do you have Rodrigo as your backup? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and then I had Billy Bennett as the honorable mention. Uh, all right, punters. Okay, so we've got one starter, one backup. Who's your starter at punter? Uh, Gordon Ely Kelso. Really, over Drew Butler. He, Drew Butler had a great year that one year, but he was also very inconsistent his last year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he, that's why I, that's okay. Fair. Um, that's why uh, I, Kelso I do was a very, very accurate, consistent kicker. And I, that's the one thing I missed about, or especially when he was gone, like you missed it. You didn't realize how important it was. Yeah. That's a great point. He was very, very steady for us. Maybe not quite the leg that Butler had, but very, very steady for us for a number of years. Um, I, I think for me, I, I have Ely Kelso as my backup, by the way, uh, I went with Butler though as my starter really just because that one, you're right. The, the year he won the Ray guy. I mean, he's a Ray guy award winner for the best part in the country. And you're right. The, it wasn't the same every year. Uh, maybe not quite as steady throughout his entire career, but at least for that one year alone, I'm going to go with Drew Butler as the starter at punter. My honorable mention, I know he's only here for one year, so that's why he kind of wasn't in the conversation as being a starter backup. Cam Nislik, the one year he was here, was a baller. So My I, honorable I, mention was Bryce Ramsey. <laughs> He's a punter at Georgia. The best thing he ever did here in Athens. It is. Yep. The best thing he did. God bless you, Bryce. God bless you, man. All right, and then we're going to wrap this up. I think there's two guys that come to mind here. Uh, maybe three. 
But two guys that definitely stand out to me. Uh, we've as our returners, and this is and we're, we're we're calling this the returner. It could be kick returner, punt returner. I think so. It depends on. I think one guy's a better kick returner, one's a better punt returner. So who did you go with as your starter as the return man? Um, Isaiah McKenzie. I did also. Uh, who'd you go with your backup? Brandon Boykin. Yeah, I I have the exact same. I have, I have McKenzie as a starter, and then Boykin as the backup. I went with McKenzie because he was more of a dual threat, could do both. Um, and Boykin was more of a kick returner. Boykin was a killer kick returner, if, if you guys remember. I mean, he was awesome. But he wasn't like the punt return type guy. And to me, and, and I know they played a different time, but nowadays with the rule changes, if I'm talking about my starting lineup, like right now they're playing tomorrow. I know this, that's not how this is going to work, but like, it's kind of just how my mind works, I guess. The kick return is basically taken out of college football. For all practical purposes, it has. With the rule changes and, and pushing the, the the yardage up, I mean, you're seeing more touchbacks than ever. It's just you're not seeing a ton of kick returns. Whereas punt returns, you see those a lot more commonly. Now, of course, you have fair catches and all that kind of stuff too. But I think the punt returners have a chance to make more of an impact on a game nowadays than your kick returners. I know that hasn't always been the case, but that was kind of the deciding factor for me. I think McKenzie was a better punt returner. Therefore, I want him as my starter. But if anyone wanted to go with Boykin, I wouldn't argue with you. The third guy... Kurt, who do you who do you think I would go with as my third guy? And it's not Champ Logan Bailey. Gray. Champ Bailey was fine. Okay. Oh, oh, I didn't think. Oh, shoot, I didn't think about Champ. Oh, That's wow. why he was explosive. Wow. How did I not think about Champ? Okay. And that's how Damn. he. That was what made him so you know unique. I know, I'm like embarrassed. How did I not think about Champ as a returner? Wow. Should have been one of the first ones off the top of my head. I, but the guy I was thinking about. That's a great. That's a great one right there. The guy I was thinking about was Todd Gurley. Yeah, think about the you, first thing yeah, we saw Todd Gurley do, right? Take a kickoff for a touchdown against Buffalo, right? That's the that's when we're like, oh, this guy actually might be good. And then obviously he was an all timer, and he didn't return it all the time. But when he did, like he was literally a threat to take to take it to the house every single time he returned. He didn't do it often, but he could. If he was our full time return man, like he might have set records potentially. Like, he was that good as a return guy, so I would throw him in there. I, the reason I did is he just didn't do it as consistently. But um, yeah, man, Chant Bailey, good one, man. I'm embarrassed I missed that one. But uh, all right, guys, that is it. That is our ultimate Georgia football starting lineup. And I know it's only the past 25 years. We wanted to try to keep this to the guys that we've actually had the the ability to see ourselves. I mean, we could have thrown Herschel in there. We could have thrown a bunch of guys in there from, from days past. But since we didn't see those guys, we didn't think it was fair. We're kind of just going off secondhand knowledge of what people had said. So we kind of wanted to limit to the last 25 years. But uh, still – Fun exercise. Really enjoyed doing this. We'd love to hear what you guys think, where we got it wrong, where we got it right. So feel free to hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UJ. Again, we'd also greatly appreciate any of you who have not done so already to give us a rating and review on iTunes. That would greatly help us out. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. You know, we always appreciate it. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.